Let me give you a little timeline. Let me tell you what the Lord spoke to me this morning, and then I'll tell you what he spoke to me just a few minutes ago. Um, last night was our last LCU chapel this school year, and Dr. Brenda brought a phenomenal word last night on legacy. And it was a phenomenal word, not just on legacy, but it was a phenomenal word on running the race before us and that we can look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as an example of how at times, how many get weary sometimes? I as a pastor myself do, but I've also been ministering to people over the last couple months that are very, very broken, very weary, and very depleted. And the legacy thing is something that God is speaking to this church. We had a word come forth that was at prayer meeting here just a few weeks ago or a couple months ago now. Everything just kind of runs together. But a couple months ago, somebody came and gave me a word that they saw the generations that had come before cheering us on and standing behind us, literally praying for the next generation. And I really felt like that praying this morning, I already had my sermon prepared for tonight, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Dr. Brenda is going to bring the word in here tonight. Amen? And then, why? and I planned on being right there on the front row and taking notes and, and hearing again what God is speaking. This is a now word that she's, it's, it's teaching. She is a phenomenal teacher, y'all. Great teacher of the word, and we're so blessed to have her and her husband here as ministers here in this house. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me while I was over there, and I turned to Leah and I said, I think I'm supposed to go back and talk to the youth. And uh, so pray for me, (laughs) but I'm going to go back there and he told me exactly what to tell him. Okay. So seriously, pray for me. I'm going to dismiss and go to the back and talk to our young people because our young people are in trouble. Y'all guys, we've, we've told you that and we've, we've mentioned that, but if you're in the school system or if you have teenagers, the things that are going on are just, they're demonic. And there's a, there's churches in Citrus County that are going to spiritually stand against this onslaught because they're trying to take an entire generation out. I'm talking, there are things that, that, that we would never have dreamed of, of our age of kids that are involved in and kids are doing, even at a very young age, starting to get involved in drugs, starting to get involved in these things. So I'm going to go back there and I'm going to preach to them. Amen. Is that okay with y'all? Dr. Brenda, if you'd come. Bring the word tonight. I appreciate you so much. And uh, and I'm just believing that God's going to move in here too. Amen. 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 Well, this is a little bit of a challenge. First of all, I just want to say I'm totally, totally honored, absolutely honored uh, that Pastor would would ask me and that I can serve him. I'm totally honored that I can serve you. But more than that, I recognize how, what a privilege it is to handle the word, to share the word, to represent the Lord. So I don't take this position or what I'm doing lightly. Amen. Because anyone who teaches the word or preaches the word will give account for every single word they speak. Amen. So I'm aware of that. So anyway, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this tremendous privilege. I thank you that you, your spirit is here with us. And I thank you that this is a now word that you've given 
that you've given to us. So, Lord, give us ears to hear and help us, Father, to respond by faith to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like he said, I'm a teacher. And teachers like to engage all the senses. So seeing, hearing, writing, speaking, anything that I can do to involve my students, that's what I want to do. And you have notes. The first thing that I want to teach you is to take notes. This, this is what I told them last night. This is what I will always stand on. You need to take notes. Okay? Why? How many times have you left the service and not remembered what the pastor was speaking about? Or you could just remember a little. But so many times there's so many nuggets there that you just want to go back. I had a young lady come to me and ask me tonight about the last time I spoke. And, and I'm, like, I'm so focused on this, I couldn't remember exactly what she was asking. But if I had my notes, okay? So anyway, so as you see here, we're going to talk about legacy. And normally I have a clicker, okay? So this is my clicker, and Carla is my clicky, okay? <laughs> so we're taught uh, that the title of, of this teaching is Your Legacy of Faith, and our text is taken from Hebrews 12, 1 through 7. And it seems like every time I've been opening my word lately, the Lord has been taking me to Hebrews chapter 12. But this time... I want to use the message paraphrase. How many of you have ever read from the message paraphrase? Okay, well, not too many of you. The message paraphrase is, is, is just what it says. It's a paraphrase, and it's modern, very contemporary, very easy to read. It's like as if we were talking to one another in our language, okay? So it is not a translation. It is a paraphrase, and the theme, uh, that, as you see there, is entitled Discipline in a Long-Distance Race. If you're going to run a long-distance race, you need to be disciplined to get there. That's what the, the title is or the theme in the message paraphrase. I looked it up in the King James Version, and they call it Run with Patience. This portion of scripture was entitled Run with Patience. Or in the NLT, it was entitled God's Discipline Proves His Love. God's Discipline Proves His Love. So, as I told my students last night, and if you know me, I'm always trying new fitness gadgets. Okay? Or changing my exercise routine to lose weight and to build muscle. So lately, my latest routine, as you see, is a hula hoop and a jump rope. Can you see me and Bill with a hula hoop and a jump rope? (laughs) All right. Well, we know that 
the first few weeks of exercising, they're, 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 they're great. They're fun. We're, we're, we're motivated, right? We're motivated. We're excited. But before long, I run out of steam. How many times do, do you walk around the block before you just, you have to do everything in your power to motivate yourself to get up and go for that bike ride, huh? You lo- if you don't keep at it, you lose the passion for it, maybe. So I run out of steam. I forget what motivated me in the first place. I take my eyes off the prize, my goal, and I lose focus. The finish line. I forget where's the finish line. What is it? Where, where am I headed? What is it I hope to achieve? So the main goal is, you all have your fill in the blanks here. The main goal for all believers should be to find God's plan for their lives and then go after it with all their might and strength. Every single person in here, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it is up to you to find out what that plan is and go after it with all your might and all your strength. But you know that most Christians don't even realize. They've never even come Uh, To the realization, they've never been awakened to the fact that God has a special race for them to run. Every single one of us have a special race. My race doesn't look like your race. Your race doesn't look like Walt's race. Amen? That's why Paul is asking the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9.24, don't you realize that... In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. You see, Paul is teaching us that we're in a race. The word race is the Greek word stadion, which later became our word stadium. This word depicts a huge arena where athletic competitions are held. Paul uses this word to tell us that when we enter the race of faith, it puts us in the very center of this arena. When we are born again, when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal savior by faith we enter this race right we enter the race by faith we run the race by faith so we enter this arena we're in the center of this arena and people see us as we walk by faith people are watching your life People that don't, you don't even know. People that don't even know you are watching your life. That hit me so hard last Sunday. And Pastor, with Pastor's message, when he was talking about 
the end times and, and the, the churches in Revelation. And when he, when pastor gave the altar call to raise your hand, I had to raise my hand. Because I knew the only thing that would keep me from raising my hand would have been pride. But I had to raise my hand because I've, I had lived my life. Believe, believing that, you know, I, I know my sins are forgiven. I knew that the, the old has passed away. I know I'm a new creation in Christ. I know, I know all that, okay? But I never realized, I never took how serious the people were watching my life and the, the repeated mistakes that I kept on making over and over and over again. The mountain that I kept on going around and around and around and around. The same things that I kept on doing, thinking that I wasn't hurting anybody. I wasn't hurting anybody. They were watching my life. And you want to know something? They, you want to live your life so that people can say, I want what you have. I assure you there were many, 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 many years that I thought I was this great Christian. But what I had to offer, people that were watching my life can't honestly, truly say they wanted what I had. That's not what I want to give to Jesus. We must always keep in mind, therefore, that we're not running a private race of of faith, but a race that influences on many people's lives. Many people. People that that we don't even know are watching. So, having said all of that, and I'm trying to watch the clock here, you know, he really didn't give me very long. But he knows how long this was last night. So anyway, I'm going to try to stay on track here. Um, I'm going to read to you um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, through the message paraphrase. It's up here for you right now. And if you have your Bible and you want to open it, your Bible, to Hebrews 12, 1 through 7, you can kind of follow along and see how it compares because this is really kind of out there you know it's like wow but it's very easy to understand and that's what I wanted do you see what this means all these pioneers who blazed the way all these veterans cheering us on it means we better get on with it strip down start running and never quit No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with Anything along the way. I mean, I could. I, I told them last night, I could stop right there and go off on, on, on a rabbit trail. He could put up with anything along the way. 
Let me tell you that a lot of times the choices and decisions that I made were because I didn't want to put up with things that I was going through. Okay? I didn't want to put up with it. I, I said, I can't handle anymore. I can't take this anymore. I don't like the sandpaper. And guess what? I, many times, I ran. I resisted. I rebelled. All those things. But God says right here that Jesus, he could put up with anything along the way. He put up with the cross. He put up with shame. Whatever. Whatever. And now he's there. Now he's there in the place of of honor at the right hand of Father God, right? When you find, am I still there? When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Go over the story of Jesus, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So, Here we are in Hebrews 11. Seated. Remember Hebrews 11, the hall of faith? You know, we read about all of the by-faiths. You know, that's a chapter really to sit and read and meditate and chew on. It truly, truly is. So many times I just would say, oh yeah, that's the hall of faith, the hall of faith. But you know, yeah. Sit and read that sometime and really read that. Amen? So we're seated in this gathering with our ancient brothers and sisters. Life has been hard for them, and the persecution is getting worse. But there's joy, especially when they gather together. Amen? Amen. And as they gather, they need some inspiration. We all do. They needed a word. They needed to hear a word. So the preacher here, he's well into his message, but this last part nearly lit a fire. Not with his eloquence, but with his stories. They were stories everyone in that audience knew well. Ever since they were kids, they heard these stories. The heroes of Abraham and Sarah and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Daniel. Stories of valor and courage. Stories of weak made strong, sinners made saints. By faith, they lived beyond this life. Whoops, the one before, honey. I gave her the signal, the wrong signal. (laughs) See, by faith, they lived beyond this life. That's one of of the fill-ins. By faith, they lived beyond this life. That's a bold point that I really wanted I really wanted my students to grasp. You see, now we come to the center of that great hall of faith. Their stories and their testimonies, they surround us, they speak to us. We carry their legacy. Have you ever thought about that? We carry their legacy. All of those listed in Hebrews 11, they're in your family tree. 
You carry their legacy. That's pretty awesome, huh? This is where we are now at the outset or the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. I have what, everything that I have just described. Remembering the heroes of faith. Their stories fresh in our mind. That look in their eyes. The determination. The determination. So, question number one then is, what did they see that gave them such perseverance and what can they teach us? Well, the NIV reads in verse 1, therefore. How many times have we heard therefore? Anytime this is therefore, we need to look and see what it's there for. Therefore. Since we are surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by such a, all of these Hebrews 11 We are surrounded. These are all our ancestors, right? Our spiritual ancestors. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Now we know that in the... um, Oh, the new king, the King James, all of them. He says the author and the finisher, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author of our faith, and he's also the finisher of our faith. Our relationship with him is by faith. The work he's doing in us and through us is by faith. And the work that he's yet to do in us is by faith. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is doing the work. It's up to us to do the surrendering, the yielding, the following, right? Running the race. So anyway, the preacher here says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The, The idea here isn't that they're watching us but that their stories testify. They ran their race, and now it's time for yours. Each and every one of you, it's time for yours. It's time for you to be running your race. As you prepare to take the field, you hear the echoes from ages past. They tell of God's faithfulness through the, through the trials and the hardships. They, they steal your resolve and they strengthen your faith. See, I like the picture of our walk with God as a race. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Many things in this world are fine and good. If you're just meandering through life. But not in a race. Many times... I've told God, let me just sit in the, in the pew. Let me just sit in the chair and, and listen. Nope. He keeps putting me up here. He keeps putting, putting me before my classes. He, 
He has a race for each and every one of us. Amen? So, I'm not allowed to just meander. And you know what? I love Jesus so much, I don't want to meander. I want to do whatever he has called me to do. And I know you do too. So, God gave you a purpose, goals, a mission. You can't step into the starting block of your race holding on to a bunch of unnecessary junk. So, it's time to suit up. It's time to prepare to run. As I shared with my students last night, I'd heard a story about this small airplane that was used by a missionary aviation ministry. They stripped out all the cushy seats and all the creature comforts, and they flew as lean as possible, just the basics. And we know why. Because every ounce of cushion that they removed, they made room for more life-saving medicine and supplies for the mission. Much like that plane, your life only has so much room. And you have purpose. So throw off everything that hinders. And he says the sin that so easily entangles. Allow sin into your race with God. And it will twist around your legs like a vine. Sin will take you down. Sin will trip you up. So let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. God has marked out a race for us, so we need to stay on course with perseverance. As Sharing, I don't know if you were this way, but I love to watch the Olympics. Do you remember when we were kids, we would watch the Olympics, and we actually thought that possibly someday we might, that might be us? Did you ever think, just maybe someday I could swim that good or ski that good? Amen? Well, in the Olympics... There's only one gold medal. But God's designs that everyone who enters this race can win the gold. God measures, and I, and I shared this last night, God measures our individual performance by our individual capacity. Are you hearing me? He doesn't compare... You and me, or you and you, what he's looking at is what is your best? What has he equipped you to do? What are you capable of? All God's asking is that you bring him your best, what you're capable of. Not somebody, I cannot get up here and preach like pastor. You don't see him standing here behind behind the pulpit. He's down there running up and down the hall, the aisle. Just like T.D. Jakes. He never looks at his notes. I wish I could do that, but I can't.
Like Abraham, we may not know the path ahead, but we can trust the one who has marked it out. So remember the eyes of all those who went before you. They say something. Every athlete will tell you that fixing your eyes is essential. Eye on the ball, eye on the prize, because your mental focus follows your eye focus. Think about that. Your mental focus follows your eye focus. We've seen right there in verse 2, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We, and, I, and I told you, Philippians 1.6 says, it is Jesus who is the author and the finisher. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work will perfect it until Christ returns. Watch Jesus. He's like your trainer saying, eyes on me. He blazed the trail before you. He's the perfecter, the one who will finish the good work that he began in you. He's not done. He's not done. Watch how he lived, how he endured. This is where we submit, where we surrender, where we yield. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So how did he endure such opposition from sinners? And how can we not lose heart? I'm going to read Hebrews 11, 4 through 13 now in the message. It's kind of like reading a story. I mean, that's the way this, the message flows. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. The trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what's best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. That's sandpaper, huh? 
But later, of course, it pays off big time, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. So don't sit around. Am I still okay there? Yep, right there. So don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall. So no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. So now we've, we're down into verse 4, okay? And I'm going to go over this quickly because I can see the time. The preacher began, he's, he's, he's talking to us like a coach, okay? And he's, he's training us to run this race to win. He talks about the Lord's discipline. He reminds us that God disciplines us like a good father because a good father disciplines his son and his daughters. But now the switch here to a father's discipline, it might it seems like a subject change, but remember the coach disciplines the athletes. Not for punishment, but for training. So a coach pushes you to endurance and strength and to refine, to refine your skills and your strategy. And really, a father is the same. A good dad doesn't discipline simply for punishment, but for training. He's building character, humility, wisdom, endurance, life skills. And that's the picture here. The Lord is your father. In verse 6, he disciplines the one he loves. In verse 7, we endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. This should revolutionize the way that you see trials. God is working on your character. And he's treating you like his kid. He loves you. And as I shared with the students last night, a side note here. I don't want you to take this to an unbiblical extreme. Some Christians take a play-through-the-pain attitude that ignores serious injuries. I'm spiritual. I'm not supposed to admit that I have a problem. Amen? Well, you can play through a fatigue. That's great. But if you play through a concussion, that's dangerous. Perseverance does not ignore problems. Perseverance faces problems with faith, determination, and humility. And goes through the necessary recovery process. God is a healer, not an ignorer. Recognize when issues require special care. Trauma. Mental health, marriage issues, you can't ignore them. You can't sweep them under the carpet. You can't pretend they don't exist because you have to wear a plastic face. That's not what I'm saying. And please don't hand out easy Christian platitudes about pain and anxiety when you don't know anything about their trauma. And notice that the passage does not say that God causes hardship or that God does the evil. 
It doesn't say that either. It says he is a good father. Who is there with you to carry you through it. And he uses the opportunity to help us mature. Yes, ma'am. Some of us take longer to grow up than others. Oh, yes. Amen? Amen? So back in the text here, he's a good father who's there with you to carry you through it. And he uses the opportunity, he helps us mature. He does this. The good father disciplines you to train you, to keep you from sin and danger and grow your character. Training is not much fun. In fact, most of it's painful. But back now in verse 11, we see that later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You actually do get to a place in the training process. You actually do get to a place where you reap a harvest of righteousness, where you reap peace. Amen. Like I said, some of us take a long time to get there. But, If we persevere, it pays off. Do you know what it looks like when the training pays off? When your strength and your, and your skill grow? So sweet. When you reach that goal. Submit to God's training. And the payoff is righteousness in your life and peace in your soul. I mean, isn't that really what we're all after? I mean, you're in church on Wednesday night. Obviously, this is what we're looking for. A right relationship with the Father. Peace in our life. So how do we get there? We submit To God's training. One key ingredient for success as Christ's followers in the race of life. And this is so important. Please hear me. One key ingredient for success as Christ's followers in the race of life is Growing in intimacy with our Father. Amen. Growing in intimacy with our Father through spending time training. Training with His Spirit in His Word. That's right. Are you hearing me? I hope you got that because that's so, so important. Probably, I think, one of the most important things I've said all night. We 
We come to verses 12 and 13, and it tells us to get ready to train, clear off the track, time to work. If you feel like your arms are feeble, your coach isn't here to hurt you or disable you, but to heal and strengthen you. And now I will finish reading the remainder of this portion of scripture, um, Hebrews 12, 14 through 17 from the message. Work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, listen to what it says. I didn't write this. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden at no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Have we all been there? You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act, and he wanted God's blessing. But by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. Can we go back to slide 15? Thank you. Hang out there a minute. So, next up we see that the preacher, he's delivered some rapid-fire instructions here in conclusion, right? For how to run this race well. First he says, live in peace with everyone. Live in peace with everyone. Work at it. Be holy. Set apart. No holiness. You will never see God. I didn't write it. I only know that the, the scripture is telling us we can't live with compromise in our life. We aren't, we can't, we're not going to have that intimate relationship that the Father wants and that we say we're seeking with compromise. And what kind of a legacy would we be leaving? People are watching our life that we don't even know. Don't let bitterness in. You know, I have found that as you get older, it's a lot easier to be bitter. I mean, I go to the nursing home and I visit my mother and I go into the dining room and all these people are sitting around the table. And, you know, listen, I know that some of these people used to be missionaries and pastors or preachers or teachers or or who knows. But a lot of them now have gotten older and have dementia and Alzheimer's and they are, I sit, they, I sit and listen, and they grumble, and they mumble, and they complain about this. I mean, that's, God, I don't want to get to that place. How easy it is for the root, the weed of bitterness to creep in. We come in agreement with it. We listen to it. We come in agreement with it. The murmur, the complaining, the fault finding, 
They're all related. Don't let bitterness in. Bitterness grows in your heart like a poisonous root beneath the surface. And now go back to verse 16, slide 16, please. There we go. Verse 16 tells us, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. Sex without morals will destroy your race. Hey, I didn't write it. Okay? It's all part of running the race in this life. It's a reality that can't be ignored and swept under the carpet. Amen? So Esau is called godless here because he traded his birthright for a bowl of lentil to gratify his body's cravings. We all have a physical body, right? He sold his future. He sold his legacy. He sold his legacy for a bowl of lentils. His role and responsibility to family meant nothing compared to desire. Again, I say, your witness and your testimony matters. You see, now this is, this is a stark warning in contrast to our calling. Endure, perseverance, inherit what God has promised, fix your eyes, prepare to run. In conclusion, it's natural to want to give up. I want to give up when I'm tired. If you ever go riding with Kim, I can't ride as fast as she does on her bicycle. I can't ride as far as she does. I can't ride as fast and far as Joyce does. I want to give up. But they're very gracious. They're very gracious. They stop and wait. They let you catch up. But I get tired, you know, because I'm haven't been training enough. I get bored with my gadgets and, and my, you know, my jump ropes and my hula hoops. Okay? Not seeing the results from the routines, getting on the scales, and I don't see much of a change. My husband insists the battery's bad in the scales. Yeah. Okay. Or you just get a little too comfortable carrying around that extra weight. When I get discouraged, I picture Jesus facing me, running backwards, taking his two fingers and pointing, pointing his eye at me and pointing back to me, signaling me to keep my eyes on him while I run. He knows where the terrain gets tougher. He knows when I will need an extra boost of energy to go uphill. He knows when I will need to catch my breath and take a sip of water or slow down the pace. He's running the race with me. That's right. And he gives me grace to run at my own pace. Amen. With him, I don't lose my focus. Jesus helps me. Exercise my motivation by keeping my eyes on the ultimate prize. Him. Him. Pastor said it. 
The ultimate prize is him. Do you see yourself as someone who is running the spiritual Olympic event of his or her life? Or are you simply jogging for Jesus? If you're serious about fulfilling God's plan for your life, it's time to shift into high gear and start putting all your mental and spiritual and physical energies into getting the job done. You have to remove all distractions and commit yourself to a life of discipline and balance and devotion. Whatever race you're trying to to finish, whether you're running a marathon, whether you're writing a book, raising children, everyone's race looks different. Even getting out of bed each day can be a challenge. Imagine Jesus is right there with you, cheering you on to the finish line. Joshua 1.9 reminds us, if you read it, it says, God is with you. And Deuteronomy 4.31 reminds us that he will never leave. Those are two of my favorite promises. Jesus is always with me and he will never leave me. Amen. Remember this. It's always too soon to quit. Nothing is worth the price of missing the mark and falling short of the legacy that God has equipped you to live. Your attitude must be, I'm going to run this race and I'm going to win it. Amen? I'm not going to live my whole life missing out. On what God has for me. I don't care how old you are. I don't care at what point you are. You're never too old to serve God. You're never too old to go, to go deeper in your relationship with him. No matter what inconvenience I endure, what price I have to pay, or what adjust- adjustments I have to make, I'm going to faithfully run my race so that one day I can obtain the prize. What is that prize? Here's the prize. Here's the prize. I run my race for the prize. What is that prize? The prize is the fulfillment of God's call on my life. The fulfillment of God's call on your life. Leaving a legacy for the glory of God. Amen. That's why we're running this race. That's why we're running this race. So that we can fulfill the call of God on our life. And we can leave a legacy For the glory of God. It is not about us. Amen. It's all about him. So. I'm going to. Close with the. I'm going to leave you with Hebrews 12. 28 and 29. 
as I shared with my students, you see why the Lord gave me this for them, gave me this message for them. Because many of them have spent the last four years in an accelerated program getting a degree in theology. Some of them getting their master's. Some of them getting their doctorate. Several of them getting their, their bachelor's. I'm so proud of them. But I know how hard they've worked. They've run the race, and they've run the race with perseverance. But everyone else has their own race also. Whatever you're doing, you have a personal race. And you know what it is. So I'm leaving you with this. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house. Torching all that needs to burn. And he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. I just pray that you take this handout, that you take this encouragement, that you take this instruction, and you apply it and run your race for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray for you all and dismiss you since he disappeared. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. Thank you for the living word of God. Help us now, Lord, to hide it in our heart. Let us be transformed. Let us hear your voice, Father, and run the race that you called us with perseverance, not to quit, not to look back, not to give up. Keep our eyes on you, Lord. Our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of of our faith. Lord, I speak a blessing over each one here. Give them traveling mercies, Lord. Take them home safely in Jesus' name. Amen.